One man, one mission, to equip the Church of Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit and awaken the Church to the voice of the Spirit. David Cuppet brings to you the School of the Holy Spirit from one of his many missions from around the world, where he aligns with apostolic leaders to eradicate spiritual blindness and reveal the true authority of believers in Christ, to prophesy, heal the sick, raise the dead, and cleanse the lepers. Open your heart and get ready to receive all that the Holy Spirit has for you in this week's session of the School of the Holy Spirit. School is in session. Okay, this is part five in our series that we're calling The Cross, The Mountain, and and The New Creature. And, uh, you know, the essence of what we're talking about, I encourage you, if you haven't listened to the first four um, in this series, the first four messages really establish the foundation of the victory of Christ and the call to pull you or make a way uh, to get you up the mountain to meet God face to face and encounter him. Um, We spent a lot of time talking about how it's the encounter with the Holy Spirit um, when he speaks to you, when he pours his oil all over you, when when there is literally such an encounter with the glory of God that you are transfigured, you are made something new by his voice that did not exist before. And actually, it's the revealing of the sons of God. It's the revealing of your destiny that the Lord is bringing forward in this hour um, as, as you, everything in your life, when you hear his voice, will shift. Nothing will ever be the same again. When you hear the voice of God and he says that you are something, when he simply says something like he said to Jesus, says, you are my son, everything shifts. And we're going to talk about um, that in a lot more detail uh, here today. Um, You know, last week uh, we left off uh, with 2 Corinthians chapter 3. I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, starting with verse 3 through 5. We talked uh, where Paul uh, is saying that our, the, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty before God for the pulling down of strongholds. And what he's talking here about is your war is not against yourself. When you are made new, when you are made clean by Christ, when his blood washes over you, you are a new creature. No longer is um, anything that that is perceived wrong with you or a problem or, you know, None of that junk exists anymore because the blood of Jesus washed you, right? And if you fully believe that he washed you, your issue is not with you. The revelation, the greatest revelation is that it's the demonic that is trying to keep you enslaved. It's the demonic that is trying to pull you back to you'll never achieve, you'll never overcome, you'll never this, you always be a slave, you always be worthless, you always, whatever it was, that the voice of evil is so bent um, on keeping you deaf, dumb, and blind in the spirit because they know if you become awakened in the Holy Ghost, you begin to hear the voice of God. And the first thing the Lord does to people is he begins to wash them, right? He, he speaks over you. He, he literally washes away the old and he establishes the new. He reveals your true destiny. And so Paul's emphasizing the way to war moving forward is that you trust and believe in what the Lord has said to you what the encounter brought to you, how he changed you, how the prophetic word um, redefined you, right? 
and, and how the dreams and the visions that the Lord individually speaks to you really are taking you down a new path because he's identifying you as a new thing, a new creature, right? And that's faith to follow. He, he's imparting faith in you by what he says to you to follow him into the new thing, right? And in the new place, through the new identity, you will do things that are supernatural. You will overcome things. You will conquer things. Um, so the issue is not what you were. It's believing what the Lord says you are. Okay. And so we're going to get into that here in a lot more detail uh, today. Um, you know, just to reemphasize the fact that uh, your war is not against flesh and blood. Um but against the evil one, against the lying voice of darkness that tries to keep you enslaved, bound, and worthless. Okay, Ephesians six. If you go to Ephesians six, uh, chapter uh, ten through eighteen, um, you know he says uh, that that uh, our war is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness. And there is a unique element that's revealed in this scripture um, that that gets into, you know, what the Lord actually does to prepare you to overcome the darkness, okay? Paul, Paul says in verse uh, 12, 13, he's talking about standing, standing in the evil day. It's not if you are going to have challenging nights. It's not if you are going to have challenging seasons, okay? Whenever you hear the voice of God and your identity of a new creature, of a new thing, of a new purpose, even as simple, even as something as simple as you're, you are going to do something new at the Boys and Girls Club. I want you to pray. I want you to just set a time at the end of, of the day to pray for the kids. When the Lord take, starts taking you down a path and he's unctioning you, you are now being led by the Holy Spirit on a, on a moment's notice, you are being led by the power of God, by his voice, by his by the unction of his spirit. That's what Satan fears. OK, and so Paul's talking about when you when 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 the Lord begins to speak to you, that you should expect that the demonic powers, the principalities, the the you know, the evil one himself will come. And Paul's saying you will you are going to have to stand. OK, and the rest of this scripture um, from verse 14 down to 18, um, I've heard this taught in so many very bad ways. Um, most of them talk about, okay, you got to put on your, 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 you know, the shield of faith. You have to put on your helmet of salvation. You have to put on the shield of, of, of your, your breastplate of righteousness and so forth and so on. But the clue, the key to this scripture is actually in verse 18. Okay. In verse 18, Paul says, above all things, take with you the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Okay, the word word there, which is the same word we've been emphasizing in, in, in this whole series. It's the word rhema. Okay, it's the dream. It's the vision of the Lord. Okay, it's not scripture. It's the word. It's the word the Lord speaks to you. Okay, and I'm not saying Scripture is not true. All, I believe all scripture is true. In fact, I've taught, if you listen to all my stuff, I teach you out of scripture 
But the point of scripture is to take you to the living God, the voice, and you become entrusting in the voice. That is what Satan fears. You following the voice and believing what the Lord says you are. Okay, it's all about identity. Okay, so back to verse 18. Above all things, take with you the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Why is, why is that so important? The sword is the only offensive weapon described by Paul. He's, and it's, it's, it's actually um, connected to all the armor, okay? If you read the scripture, if you go back and read, I'm not going to read it all here today, but if you uh, go back and read verse um, 13 through 18, where it's describing the armor, if you read it in the light of the revelation of how powerful the direct voice is of the Lord, you will see that what the Lord has spoken is your salvation. It is your helmet. What the Lord has spoken directly to you is your shield. Okay. It is your shield of faith. What the Lord has spoken directly to you and called you, identified you as, is your breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the gospel of peace. All of the armor is connected to what the Lord has said. And if you understand that, there's a, there's a simplicity that you realize that, oh my gosh, this isn't actually about reading the Bible and trying to achieve and measure myself up to the scripture. This is actually simply about me being in a prayer life hearing my father's voice, believing what he says to me, and he will make me, he will transfigure me, right? Just, just how, just as Jesus went up the mountain um, with, with Peter, James, and John's and the, and the cloud came and they were engulfed and they heard the voice of God, right? Jesus began to glow in the midst of the voice. And why Jesus brought them up there was to see the power of the voice. That the voice is what transfigures. The voice is what makes you supernatural. Okay? The voice, guys. The voice. The power of the kingdom of heaven is connected to your heart depending on the voice. Okay? So, I mean, just to reiterate this concept, right? Whenever uh, Jesus... Uh, Mary comes to Jesus, says it's time to start your ministry, right? Um, Jesus is baptized in the Holy Spirit and the voice comes out of heaven. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. What happens? In, in Matthew chapter 4, it says that the Spirit of God immediately took Jesus into the wilderness to be tested. Okay? It wasn't because Jesus did something wrong, it was actually to infuse his heart with the reality that he is, that the father called him the son of God. And we will all as sons and daughters of God have the same exact experience. When we hear the voice of God and he says something that we are or what we're going to do or how it's going to all work out, Immediately, the Spirit will take you to be tested in the wilderness. And here's a very important point with how Jesus overcame the wilderness. And um, if you go to Matthew 4, 4, Jesus, as Jesus is being tempted, he responds and he says, uh, Man shall not live by bread alone, but every word 
Again, the word rhema that proceeds from the mouth of God. And again, guys, I've heard, I've heard preachers bring this back to Scripture, saying this is all about what is written. Can I tell you something? The book of James actually says that Satan knows what is written. He knows what truth is, okay? So the truth or the, the power itself is not in the Scripture. The Scripture doesn't need tested. The Scripture is true. What needs tested is the heart of one who hears, okay? So what Jesus is emphasizing in Matthew 4, 4 is I live on what my father said. He said, I am the son of God, and that's what Satan hated. That's why Satan was kicked out of heaven. He became jealous, and the father kicked him out, right? Now, what happens on the earth where Satan was kicked to? The Father sends the Son of God to save humanity, and he starts it all by speaking to Jesus and saying, you are my son, you are my son, you are my son. And the whole testing in the wilderness was for Jesus to decree, declare, believe above all things as Satan's whispering in his ear, are you really the son? Right? That's what he said when Jesus was going to the cross. Are you really the son? Are you really the son? And Jesus is saying, you're dang right, bro. I am the son. You're not. I am the son and you're not. And that's how that is a lesson in how you need to conquer your wilderness because you also will have a wilderness. Every son and daughter of God called to do a supernatural thing called and every, let me tell you this, every day of your life, when you hear the voice of the Lord and you says he's, he's causing you to become something that didn't exist, and that's everybody, that's everybody um, who says yes to Christ, you will be transfigured. There's no getting around this. There's no, like, I hope I don't have a wilderness. Listen, you are going to have a wilderness when you hear him. In the right season, in the right time, the Spirit of God will lead you into the wilderness to be tested. Why? Because when you begin to hear Satan's voice so profoundly mocking you, laughing at you, your body physically shakes, you need to turn back to the demonic just like Jesus did and said, I live by what my father says. I live by the word, the rhema of the Lord. I live by his dream, his vision. What he said, I am, I am, right? When Jesus came out of the wilderness, what was his favorite thing to say when the Pharisees, right? The religious guys who Jesus called sons of the serpent, right? The guys who memorized the books, right? They memorized what scripture said, but they didn't know God. What did Jesus respond to them as? He, his favorite thing to say throughout the scriptures was, no, no, you don't get it. I am. They were arguing with him. We are the sons of Moses. We follow the law. And the Lord Jesus is laughing. He's mocking at them. He says, no, I am the son of God. I am the son of God. I am the son of God. And it made them furious. Why did it make the, the Pharisees furious? Because, because Jesus was actually the fulfillment of, of the prophecy and he was living as the son of God. But the Pharisees themselves took on the nature of the deceiver. They took on the nature of false worship, right? They took on the nature of 
trying to be like God. They followed the scripture in a way to achieve it. Instead of recognizing they were to fall on their face and cry out for the living God, they took on the nature of Satan, right? So they were furious at anybody who said they were the son of God. Major point, guys. You have to grasp this. You can achieve, you can, you can know everything about what the Bible says and try to follow it, but there's only one thing that will cause you to become what Christ says you are, right? And that is his voice and you holding on to what he said about you. And that's why that, that's why the revelation that Christ had coming out of the wilderness, it says when he came out of the wilderness, he walked in the power of the spirit. Everywhere he went, miracles, signs, and wonders happened. Why? Because Jesus was identified as the son of God. His heart was knit with the vision that heaven, that the father had for him. Okay. And you are the exact same way. And the most, one of the most powerful revelations of the whole I am revelation is when, G, when Jesus uh, was in the garden of Gethsemane in the book of John, it says that the guards came, right? A whole slew of guards came to get him. And they're looking and they're looking, where's Jesus? Where's Jesus? And Jesus didn't hide. Jesus stands up. He says, I am. And when he said, I am, it says that the Roman soldiers fell backward. The, the simplicity of you walking in your identity will cause a release of heaven on the earth. Okay. So that is what Satan fears. You saying, I am what my father said I am, okay? I am what I said my father said I am. You know, when you, when you follow the life of David, you know, he was chosen out of all of his brothers. The prophet Samuel was in the house. He goes into the house and he looks at all the brothers and every time he went, you know, the, the spirit of God would not uh, let him stop. This is not the one. This is not the one. And are, you know, do you have any more sons? Do you have any more sons? And when they found David in the shepherd's field and, and, you know, the oil was poured on David, he was chosen, right? Samuel sought through all everybody to choose him. And when the oil came on him, what happened? Okay. He kills the giant within a short period of time. He kills lions. He kills bears. You know, he learns the spirit of God. He learns the power of the spirit. He then goes, he kills a giant in this very same manner of trusting the spirit. And then he spends the next 10 plus years running for his life in the wilderness. Why? Because there was a destiny for David's life that would lead him to be the king. The prophecy ultimately was that David would be king. This is the replacement this is what Saul could never be because Saul's heart was not with me. Saul didn't know who he was. Saul sold out, right? He tried to be religious and sacrificed when Samuel was around. But when, when, when Samuel wasn't around, he basically bowed to the will of the people. And so the Lord sought somebody who was after his heart. And so David was anointed, right? So the ultimate calling in uh, of, of David was the identity of king. What's the scripture say about you and me? We are priests and kings. Okay, so your your identity will reveal your authority, your kingship. Um, all the power of the Holy Ghost will flow through you having the revelation of knowing who you are, not according to what has happened or what hasn't happened, but what the Father says. And out of what the Father says, you are 
right? You will begin to walk into places and the supernatural will flow from your simple revelation that I am. You need to look in the mirror every day for the next 30 days and start prophesying to yourself and pulling out the scriptures, all the dreams the Lord said about you, all the all the prophecies spoken to you, all the visions the Lord has given you. And you need to look at yourself and say, this is what the Lord says I am. This is what the Lord says I am. This is what the Lord says I am. Amen. So why is that important? And how 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 can this be possible that what the Lord says carries so much power and weight? Okay, if you go into um, if you go into the parable of the sower, um, you know the parable of the sower. Jesus actually says this in verse nine of uh, of the book of Mark, uh, Mark chapter four, verse nine. He says, he who has ears, let him hear what the Spirit is saying, right? This is important because Jesus is actually emphasizing again that what he's trying to portray to them in the parable of the sower is about hearing the voice of the Spirit, okay? This is reiterated. Jesus, in the book of Revelation, he reiterates um, in Revelation chapter 2 and chapter 3 when he's talking about the seven letters to the seven churches, he always ends the correction to bring them back to the heart of God and trusting the voice, because that's what all all seven heirs are about, coming back to the heart of God and trusting and, and worshiping the voice, crying out for the living God, the presence of the Lord to hear him. And Jesus ends every one of those corrections. He who has an ear, let him hear. He who has an ear, let him hear. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit of God is saying to the churches. This is a very important emphasis, guys, because when you jump down to uh, uh, verse 13, Mark chapter 4, verse 13, he, he asked the disciples, do you not understand this parable? How will you understand the meaning of all the other parables? If you don't understand that, and, and if, you, if you read the Amplified version, and there's, there's several other versions that get into some of the detail of the meaning of these words, verse 13, he's basically saying, if you don't understand the parable of the sower, you cannot understand the, the kingdom. In contrast, he's actually also saying that if you do understand the parable of the sower, the kingdom will be unlocked for you, Okay. So the punchline I'm going to give you on the parable of the sower is you're going to see again that the kingdom of heaven is voice driven. You need to find people, find people in your church, find people all around you and say the kingdom of heaven is voice driven. The kingdom of heaven is voice driven. Okay, so the parable of the sower, I'm not going to read them all, but essentially um, Jesus says the seed is sown in, on four different types of hearts. Right, the one heart, you know, embraces the word, um, but the sun scorches it. Right, it does not. The, the the before the seed can even take root, it gets scorched, it gets killed. In another type of heart, it says that the the uh, uh, the seed took root, um, but the but the the weeds come and choke it out. Right, the the world itself comes and chokes at chokes it out. Um, but Jesus gets finally to to the heart that reproduces and it says that the heart that reproduces it, it it says that some will reproduce 30 60 and 100 fold why is this important what's it mean it means that a heart that holds on to what the lord is saying what he has said to you will 
reproduce the kingdom. It will reproduce. That you will you will actually be able to enter into what the Lord has called you to be, to do, to execute here on the earth. Okay. The parable of the sower is something that um, you know. There's there's a lot of people. They get prophecies. There's a lot of people that um, you know. They even may themselves have dreams and visions, but they disregard them. They don't value them and they just let them go. Some of you guys have been in churches and you hear things from what I call spirit scripture mixture type churches where they say they don't really value prophecy. They don't really value the voice. They kind of let you prophesy, but they say things like to to, to actually de-emphasize it. And they say things like, okay, well, um, you know, put the prophecy on the shelf. And if it comes true, good. If it doesn't, then you'll know it's junk. Well, that doesn't require any discernment from your part. And most prophecies like that will never actually come to fruition. When you hear a word, you need to decipher, you need to discern Is this from God or not? If it's from God, you better hold on to it with all your heart because it has the power to reproduce. If it is not from God, then you say, okay, well, that's demonic. That's not real. That is actually a deception from the evil one. I refuse that. That then is actually heart defining. That decisionary element is heart defining. Okay. And and you should surround yourself with some cool prophetic friends, people that know the voice of God to help you through that process, okay? Because it's not if it's coming, it's all around you. And if you don't know how to discern the voice of God, the voice, the, you'll be left, right? You'll, you'll be left with the, the conditions of the heart that don't reproduce, but the other aspect of this of this parable of the sower is it's not if Satan is coming to steal the word. Satan will come to steal the word, right? That's what it says. The seed has the the seed is the only thing in the kingdom that has the power to reproduce. Not your memorized scripture, not your regurgitating scripture. The seed. What is seed? It's living. Okay? It's it's living. And it comes from the Holy Ghost. It comes from the voice of God himself who speaks into your heart. He plants that seed. And when you hold on to it in the testing time of the wilderness, that seed will have a season of having supernatural reproduction. You'll see sons and daughters all around you being awakened because of you becoming what Christ said you are. Okay? Uh, back in 2011, this is now 10 years ago, I had a, a, a prophet called me out of the audience. And at this time, you know, I was, I was in, a, in a church, it was about seven or 800 people. I was, was kind of like the prophetic leader. I led deliverance teams. I, I led uh, prophetic equipping teams and, and all that stuff. And um, I didn't really know it, but the Lord had a bigger plan for me. Um, and in the midst of, of, of this prophet speaking, he, he, he called me out and in front of the church. I come forward and he begins, he begins to speak these words of me, words to me. He says, the devil is afraid of what you are about to become. 
the devil is afraid of what you're about to become. And he started to prophesy about me going to the nations and, and doing different things that were beyond, it was beyond my imagination. Okay. Um, and that, that triggered something, um, with, within a few months after, after that, uh, the Lord started to speak to me, said he was going to blind me for a season. Um, and that when I returned, um, that I would shine with a, with a transparent light, um, a new light, a new glory. Um, and, uh, you know, I ended up within a matter of months, my whole world literally um, appeared to be falling apart. Uh, I ended up losing, losing my job. Um, I was uh, in debt up to my eyeballs. Um, ended up uh, uh, moving out of state. Uh, we left our, we had to leave our church. Um, and uh, in the midst of all this, you know, the Lord over, over a period of several years, um, the, the, the Lord comes to me in a dream, says a man from India will call you, um, that I was to go. And, and ultimately, you know, I was in a season of great revelation, great encounter where the Lord was identifying me as a new thing. He was calling me as an evangelist to the nation of India. Okay. Um, but at the same time, it was a, it was a period of the most powerful demonic opposition that I've ever felt in my life. I, I, uh, at nighttime, um, I had severe anxiety. I, sh I shook at night. Um, I heard voices, um, constantly beating on me. Uh, it was just, there was a presence of evil at times. Um, I never in, in all my years, well, I've only been, you know, filled with the Holy ghost for 16 years, but there was about a three year period, um, where the Lord was transitioning me into an evangelist, uh, to the nation of India, uh, where I fasted and prayed. There were times where I felt like if I didn't, if I didn't do a three day fast, I didn't know if, if they were going to have to check me into the hospital. That's how much anxiety and fear and torment, um, I felt I, I had, uh, I woke up at night. I felt I, there were, you know, couple times there I could uh, see demons um, beside my bed um, and just it was just a an extreme time of stretching um, and all I could do during that time is uh, I have I have all the dreams and visions and prophecies the Lord has ever spoken to me I would pull up pull those prophecies out I would pull out the the dreams and the things the Lord said to me specifically and I would, I would just begin to prophesy what the Lord said to me, what I am. This is what the Lord Jesus Christ says I am. This is what I am. This is what I am. This is what I am. And um, this war went on for several years. Um, and it was pretty painful. Um, not only was it directly demonic, um, where I, you know, interacted uh, at, at different times directly with the demonic, but it came through a lot of friends. It came through, um, I even had the pastor um, and, and some of the prof prophetic guys and people that um, I had gone, you know, on different mission trips with. I had the pastor actually, um, you know, talking about me from the pulpit, um, you know, basically exiling me uh, from the church. I lost, uh, you know, my wife and I, we lost all of our friends. 
Um, not, nobody in the church uh, talked to us after that. And it was just, it was a, um, I had to, my heart had to be reset in what my expectation of the call of God was on my life, of my trust in the Lord, of my dependence on Him, um, and actually breaking me out of a limited view. I was perfectly happy in that church doing the prophetic stuff and helping people. And, you know, my wife and I, we'd, we'd have, you know, 30, 40, 50 people at our house doing, doing ministry on certain nights. And, you know, we were at the church three, four nights a week. Uh, you know, we had hundreds and hundreds of people baptized in the Holy Ghost in, in, in that city. And, um, but the Lord had a bigger thing. It was a, he, he, before a new glory can come, he actually has to take you through, through a night, through the, through a night season, through a wilderness, right? And I had the, through that season, I had to believe that when the Lord called me as an evangelist to the nation of India, I had to believe it when nobody else did, not my pastor, not the, not the, you know, some of the prophetic voices and some of the other people I trusted, nobody was, was saying that, but I had to believe it. And when the demonic came in my personal time at night, when there was nobody else around and I'm physically shaking, I literally had to believe when there was no reason to believe. Okay. And suddenly, um, you know, the Lord thrust me, um, uh, you know, I got the call to go to India uh, the next thing you know, I'm standing in front of thousands and thousands of people. And, you know, at this point in time, guys, this is, you know, India was way beyond my comprehension. It was, it didn't even compute. I, I couldn't imagine, you know, I, I thought when I initially went to India, I was going to help a, a couple churches and, and minister, you know, you know, in a, in a very simple manner, similar to what I was doing at, at the church, you know, in, in America before I got exiled. Um, but, you know, the Lord had a different plan. And uh, over, over the last uh, four years, I have ministered to over 200,000 Hindus in India. I've, I've, I've had crusades as big as 10,000 people. Um, I've probably seen over 100,000 Hindus come to the altar and, you know, everything I do is really about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and people hearing the voice of God and seeing, seeing thousands and thousands of people baptized in the Holy Spirit and, and uh, having the encounter that transforms life. Um, I never could have imagined it. I never could have imagined that, that at this point in my life, you know, in the last four years, I've, I would have worked with over 6,000 pastors in India. And we, tra we have transformed. We've transitioned thousands of pastors from not believing in the Holy Spirit into trusting in the Holy Spirit and learning to follow the voice of God through exactly these types of teachings, but more importantly, leading them into the encounter uh, with the Holy Spirit, that they would be baptized in the Holy Spirit, their trust would be in the voice of the Spirit, their trust would be in knowing that the Lord speaks, that He would never leave them or forsake them, and that the power of the Holy Ghost um, is, is, is all around us. And, and, uh, you know, simply in the revelation of I am, I had to come to the revelation in that process that, you know, I wasn't the 
you know, whatever you want to call it, the anointed prophetic guy in, in the church, and that's all I was, the Lord identified me in a new glory, that I was an evangelist called to equip the church in India. And, you know, that identity, um, you know, that was, uh, that, ha that happened probably six, seven, that started about seven years after I was initially baptized in the Holy Spirit. And, and, uh, you know, we, we took the church from less than a hundred people up to almost 800 people. Um, you know, that, that transition was a transition, um, that, that literally changed my life. And, you know, I, there, there, it was a life shifting transition because I shifted from a simple theology that entrusted and believed in the Holy Spirit, but then had to trust in the Holy Spirit in a way that uh, there's always a new glory. There's always a new thing. And so whether this season lasts for five years or 10 years, I know at some point the Lord will speak to me again. And whether I walk away from India and I, you know, do something else with a different nation or I, you know, fo focus uh, with, with different churches in America, whatever it is, the point is this, that your relationship in prayer will always draw the voice. And when he speaks to you, there's there there's a knowing that develops there's there's something where you realize he speak he's continuing to speak to me in the place I am with the people I am with a message for those people or he's shifting you such as you know when when the prophet called me out in 2011 and said the devil is afraid of what you're about to become that was a trigger point that was a mark of a transition and I just encourage you guys, um, you've heard me emphasize this a lot, your prayer life, praying in the Holy Ghost, drawing the Father to speak to you, positioning yourself, your heart to listen to him and to believe what he says will always embolden you and position you and empower you to step into a new glory, knowing that you will be tested again. You will have to endure and overcome something again, not to prove yourself, but to be knit with what the Lord says. And in that testing reveals the new glory. Amen. And so, you know, I'm just, I want to, I want to pray for you um, that for those of you who are caught in a religious mindset thinking that, you know, you have to read more, you have to, you have to memorize more scripture, you have to, you know, try to stop this, try to, try to do that. I pray, um, I pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for those people, um, Lord, that still have religious tendencies, that still have thought processes where they think that, in their own heart, there's something wrong with them. They're never going to become something. They're never going to achieve. Uh, they're always going to be addicted. They're always going to be uh, woeful. Lord, I pray for the revelation that they do not war against flesh and blood, but they war against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness. Lord, I pray for 
um, a supernatural anointing of the Holy Spirit to come upon those people right now, Lord, that the power of the Holy Spirit would embolden them to stand in the evil day. Lord, stand on what you said. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that they that they would know that uh, uh, that the evil one comes to steal the seed, but they are the one who has a heart who will hold on to what you've said and what you've identified them as, that they, just like Jesus, will stand up and say, I am, I am, I am in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray that they would begin to recognize um, the strongholds and the curses in their families where addictions and and enslavement to, to woeful thinking and inabilities and and all that stuff, Lord, I pray that they would fight those strongholds. I pray that they would be strengthened with might in their inner man by the power of the Holy Ghost, by the vision of the Lord, by the power, Lord, of your dream and how you speak directly to the hearts. Lord, I pray that they would stand up and say, I am according to what my father says I am. I, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I pray that they would be strengthened that strongholds would fall, that they would be at a moment's notice ready to fight false arguments and uh, the voice of evil that continues to whisper in their ear. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that they would have the revelation that they don't have something wrong with them. If they have received the blood of Christ, then they are made new and they are a new creature. And that the demonic, the whispering voice of the demonic and the evil presence, the dark yoke that comes upon people in the testing season. Lord, I pray in Jesus name, Lord, that they would fight that argument, knowing that it is the argument of the evil one, that it is the voice of the demonic powers whispering um, and, and slithering and, and speaking into the hearts of believers because Satan knows that if you become what the Lord says you are, that you will do the supernatural. You will do something that is beyond your ability, for you will become one with the God who conquers the impossible, the one who leads men, who leads sons and daughters into dark places to shine the light because they know who they are in Christ. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that for the next 30 days, Every person hearing this would pull out the prophecies, would pull out the dreams and the visions, Lord, that they've had, uh, Lord, and they would begin to say, I am, I am, I am, and they would actually have a pre-written war plan. Lord, I pray that you would unction people right now to write out all the prophecies, the dreams and the visions that they are according to, to the Lord. And just as Paul said to Timothy, Timothy Wage a good warfare, warfare by the prophecies spoken over you, because not only for you, but those that the Lord will send you to are dependent on you winning this war. Lord, right now, cause the hearer, cause those who hear this right now, Lord, to say, I'm writing a war plan. I am going to write down everything the Lord has said that I am in dreams and visions and prophecies, and I'm going to have a ready made response when the depression comes, when the fear comes, when the anxiety comes, I will not be silent. I will not lay down. I will not simply shake in the middle of the night wondering why. They will not wonder why, Lord, just as Peter said, do not find it strange 
that's that, that that why why are you trying to figure out why this is going so bad? Why does it feel so evil? Just as Peter said, Satan roams around like a roaring lion looking for whom he may devour. Lord, I pray that the unction of the Holy Spirit would come upon those who hear this. Lord, that they would rise up and say, I, I refuse the nature of evil. I refuse um, brokenness and despair and depression and fear and anxiety. I refuse it. And I Call on the Lord in the identity that I am, according to the prophecies spoken over me. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, I pray for the power of the Holy Ghost to come upon every person right now. Lord, I pray that dreams and visions would be amplified in their life. Lord, I pray that, that prophets would hunt the people down to prophesy over them, to, to begin to reveal deeper um what the destiny and that is written of them in the books of heaven. Lord, for I decree over every person listening to this right now in Jesus' name, that they will begin to ask you to unveil the destiny that you wrote in the books of heaven about them. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name and call the people listening to this giant killers. I call you uh, ones who will overcome the evil one. I call you ones who will walk out of Gethsemane um, and say, I am, and those, all of the demonic powers around you will fall down, just like the guards who came to get Jesus to put him on the cross. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that they would fall down, that they would be emboldened to prophesy what they are in Christ, and the demonic powers around them would fall down. They would be rendered powerless, just like when Jesus was in the wilderness and uh, Satan tried to trick you, Lord. You simply said, I am. I am what my father said I am. I dwell not only on the bread, but I dwell on every word that my father said about me. And he says, I am the son. Lord, I pray for that revelation to be so deep in the hearts of the people that they would reproduce, Lord, 30, 60, and 100 fold. I pray, Lord, that they, um, people right now under the sound of my voice, who've never prayed for somebody, who's never seen somebody healed, who's never had somebody else baptized in the Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that that there would be that they would have visions right now of laying hands on the sick and seeing hundreds of people baptized, um, Lord, in power and healed. I pray, Lord, that they would see hundreds and thousands of people baptized in the Holy Ghost, praying in tongues and beginning to prophesy and lay hands on the sick. Lord, that they would begin to recognize that they are an army because they walk with heaven. They walk with the one who holds all the keys and authority of life. And they are not subject to the world, but Satan and the world are subject to them. Lord, I pray for that power right now and the full baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of praying in tongues to come on them right now. Lord, I pray for the power of, of prayer. Lord, I pray for all night prayer vigils and, a, and an unction to fast in the Holy Ghost. Lord, that they would hear you and truly step into their true identity, holding fast in the evil day. Lord, let this grace come upon every hearer of this right now in the name of Jesus. Thank you for joining this week's episode of the School of the Holy Spirit. For more information or to request David at your church or conference, please go to davidcuppet.org, D-A-V-I-D-C-U-P-P-E-T-T dot O-R-G, or fivestonesministries.org. 
You can also find the School of the Holy Spirit podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Charisma Magazine. For a deeper dive into the Holy Spirit, we encourage you to purchase David's new book entitled Transfigured, The Call of the Horsemen to Awaken the Church, available on Amazon. We pray that you will encounter the Holy Spirit in a transforming way and become all that Christ has prophesied over your life.